Jeff, today, I think it would be rather splendid if we spoke about speakers that play, play nicely for people that live in apartments who don't have a lot of space, who don't want to go balls to the wall with an enormous floor stander. Because you've just done... We, a, we, we rustled up about a dozen pairs of speakers. Mm. So you've just had an issue in tone about this very topic, right? Like, yes. Is it small speakers for apartments? Was that the issue? Was well, it's it just, small, just small speakers, you know? I okay. mean, just small, physically small, because, you know, um, I mean, you know, a lot of people are always very excited about big, big, big speakers. And, you know, mm -hmm. not everybody has room, space, budget, amplifier for big, big, big speakers. And, right. in a, you know, in a small room, listening somewhat near field, you know, a little pair of speakers can actually be quite satisfying. Absolutely. I mean, do you think their appeal initially is is one of, um, I guess, a, a, a minimal physical intrusion? You don't have to look at a big speaker when you listen to music. Is that? Do you think that's an appeal from the outset, or do you think it's something else? You know, I mean, that's certainly not an appeal for me. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. But it, it's, I just think, again, I just think it really falls down to space. I mean, just not everybody... Um, and, and, you know, again, year, years, 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 years ago, when I was listening to big, giant electrostatic panels, I had a Kustat 2 plus 2s way, way back mm -hmm. when. A mm -hmm. friend of mine had just gotten a pair of Rogers LS35As. And, mm -hmm. you know, he had them set up in a, I would say, about a three by four meter room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sounded really compelling. It was, um, it, it was really fun. And there's, I think there's just certain things, small space or not, that a small speaker does that a big speaker usually doesn't do. You know, there's that imaging thing. There's a, there's an immediacy there. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of cool that, um, you know, it's just a different, I mean, you know, sometimes you want sushi, sometimes you want, a big giant meal. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. It's, sometimes you want steak, right? But this is, yeah. I mean, so I'm a sushi lover and I like things in small portions a lot of the time. And I think you've hit on a good point right out of the gate is that stand mount speakers in my experience tend to image better than floor standers. I wish I knew why that was. I really do. Do you know any ideas? Um, well, I'm not a, I'm not a speaker designer. I'm, I'm just going to guess. And again, it, it's, it's kind of an apples to apples thing. Mm. Typically, if you look at a thousand dollar floor stander versus a thousand dollar little stand mount monitor speaker, um, mm. they haven't spent all that money in the cabinet. So hopefully they're spending that money on better drivers and better crossovers. But, right. um, but I think part of it too, is just the sheer baffle area. You know, it's easier. I think it's easier for a speaker ah, to, course, you know, yeah. disappear in the room. So they mm. say, um, if it's not, if you're not dealing with all the, all that, plus if you have a smaller cabinet, fewer resonance issues, I think it's, I think, and again, I'm just um, postulating here. I think it's easier to make a small speaker well than it is a large speaker, just, just because of the simplicity aspect of it. Mm. You know, less I mean, baffling, um, less less cabinet effects, um, less front panel effects. Um, you know, and there's and there's some, you know, 
there's some I've just had because I've had these these rados in or rados or whatever you mm. want to call however you want to pronounce I them. I call them rados, but yeah. Okay, I call them rados, so we're good mm. there. But I mean these these crazy twenty five thousand dollar rado D one point ones. I mean, mm. wow, they're the the level of you know resolution and quality is is amazing. They just don't go down to twenty five hertz. That's all. Okay, so, so this is so. Can you just tell it? This is a stand mount speaker, but a very high end stand mount speaker, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so, because this is something I don't, I haven't really got into that territory, you know, like above 10 or 15 grand. I kind of want to go there, but I want to take a very cautious first step. Sure. And you've obviously been there with these radios and probably others as well. Some of the Sonus Faber, a couple of other things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so the radios are something for people that want to go all out or maximize their stand mount loudspeaker experience. Is that is that a simple way? I would way say of that. I would say that. And two, you know, sometimes in a smaller space, it's easier to get a very high quality pair of um, stand mounts because you mm-hmm. have more flexibility in your room with that, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even a small pair of subs. You know, right? Yes. Because you know? yeah. I mean, as you as you well know, you know, you can't always put the speakers where the speakers need to be to sound their best. Right. You know? and, and I think a cool thing about a pair of stand mount speakers, um, I mean, and this is something I always did when I lived a lot of times in a smaller place with someone that I had to make um, musical compromises around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can put this, it's real easy to put a pair of stand mounts back in the corner when it's day to day and then move them out to a kind of a predetermined spot for serious mm. listening. So, mm. you know, that, that can be a, you know, the convenience aspect of a small speaker is pretty hard to ignore as well. And also, and also if you're adding subs, you can separate, obviously the, the base unit is by design separate. So you can put those sure. in different, different locations to the speaker themselves because they're not so, well, they are placement critical, but they don't have to be in that, you know, that tri- in, in the triangle, do they? They can be off to one side or- Sure, like, sure. You know? And, and you know, and again, I, I think the hardest thing about setting a speaker up to get, really great sound is the you know finding that spot where you're getting the best bait the 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 best base that integrates with the room Mm. versus the imaging versus the this so you know it's it's the more almost like the more bass output your speaker has more often than not the the more time and care it's going to take to find that perfect spot Hmm. So in you know, terms so. of in terms of room interactions, so for people that may not be fully versed in all of the possible, you know, the possible uh, pitfalls you might fall into when choosing a stand mount speaker. I mean, for me, one of the things I really look at, if, especially in a smaller room, is I look at the, where the port is. So is the port on the rear or on the front? Because yes, if, good if, point. If it, right. If it's on the front, I can push them closer to the wall. So I don't, I mean, sometimes you, you push them close to the wall because you want that bass reinforcement. But sometimes that can cause an acoustic problem. It can cause standing waves. You want to pull right. them out. And ports generally demand more space between the speaker and the front wall than those with Correct. no yes. ports or, or front ports, right? Yeah. And I generally also find that infinite baffle speakers, so portless speakers, sealed cabinets, whatever you want to call them. Sure. They, in my experience, they play nicest in in smaller rooms or in apartments but you don't get 
as good a bass extension or that fuller sound as you do with a ported speaker. I'm generalizing wildly here, but I would no, but I would more often than not, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, right. that's pretty much been my experience with small speakers and, mm. you know, going back to your point on the port back or front port too, mm. certain speakers, and I'm sure you've listened to your share as well, that, you know, they put that port on the front and they voice them more, to work with room gain, room reinforcement. Because again, over there where you live, typically the average apartment over there is usually a little bit smaller than it is over here. Right, so absolutely, if, yes, yes. If you yes. don't have the luxury of space, the infinite baffle or the port can be a real, you know, can be a, a much better solution. Mm, yeah, I mean, I remember about, I think when I just started reviewing in 2010, Wharfdale had just moved from the, I think, was it the Diamond series? So the Diamond 9.1 or Diamond 9 yes. to Diamond 10. And then Diamond 9s I love because they had this dual front port, obviously on the front, and I could put them wherever I wanted. But the 10s, they moved it to the back. And they were a lot, they were a better speaker, but they were trickier to place in the room. They, they, they wanted more air behind them, between them and the front wall. So this is always, you know, these are things you have to consider. And of course, you know what, dude, it's like everything else. The guys that make ported speakers say that's the only way to get bass. And the guys that make a sealed box say that's the only way to get bass. So we'll never know. Well, I guess it's a different different kind of bass, isn't it? It's, it's much tighter in a sealed cabinet than, than it is with a ported cabinet. Again, it depends on the driver. I mean, yeah. again, it depends on the driver. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, everybody, every, everybody that does this has found the right way to do it. So, um, but it's like, if you get like, have you ever done this? I mean, and with any speaker, I mean, I've done this, you get, you, you basically put port bungs or socks, oh, yeah. right. And yeah. you get that you, it, it, they play nicer in the room, but it's a drier sound. They don't sound as, as fleshy and as flabby and as weighty as they do with the socks out. Right. I mean, it's a good experiment to do. I think if you've got ported speakers is to, Plug them up and see how your speakers sound and see if you like it. I, I well, don't, I, I know I know B and W with their six and seven hundred series. They actually give you a plug, and um, again, mm. I think that's more if you have, let's just say, where you have to put the speakers in the room. If you're getting a little bit too much mid bass output, yeah, and you put the plug in, it tightens that up a little bit. You know, yeah, Kef do that as well with their LS50. Yeah, and that's that, right. You're right. And they have they have a dual plug, so they have like an outer ring and an inner inner plug, so you can have partly a partly plugged port. Uh -huh. Right. And so that's. But here's the. I mean, this is going into the active speaker territory with the LS50 wireless. They don't give you a plug because you can attenuate um, bass output in the room using the the app. So the app talks to the software inside the speaker. And can Got roll it. them off according. So you, again, you can tailor these more easily to your room. I think this is one of the big advantages of Active. It's the same with the Genelecs I have. These Genelec 8341s, they've got dip switches on the back. And you can like trim the bass down. So you can have a faster roll-off, a slower roll-off. You can shelve it. It's, again, with Actives, you can adjust it to the room, obviously, in using the electronic circuits rather than the passive solution of port bungs or not, or placement, you know? So there's more flexibility, in my experience, with actives, so this is John going on about actives again. So let's no, not, no, let's not go there too much. But no, um, it's it's. I mean, it's it's. I think it's it's a, a situation. It, I mean, it's always hard. I, I have to imagine as a speaker designer, you know, you can't you can't design for all probabilities out there. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. So yeah. I think the I think the active 
combined with DSP really does help, you know, solve that problem. Yes, I mean, they're certainly more modern day flexible, aren't they? For, they, they suit more people than not, I would say. Yes. More of a, it's a more of a democratic design. I mean, it's not for purists. Purists tend to balk at DSP, but purists are in the minority every time. So oh, people, definitely. You know, right? Yes. So I, just, I mean, this is what I like about, I mean, I guess we can't really talk about standmount speakers without mentioning Andrew Jones's name, who works for ELAC now. Sure. And he's, I mean, he's done this killer series, well, two series of the debut and the, oh, what's it called? The, oh, what's the other series called? The slightly better one. The speakers. Oh, you know, I saw him at the Unify. show. Unify. Yes. Yes. Uh, so he's done the debut of the Unify, and we're now, I think, version two of the debut series, the Unify is as it was. So great passive speaker designs for not very much money. Like they start like 200 bucks and go up to, to like 700 or 800, I think. Yeah, they, they were not crazy money at all and very, no. very good. I mean, that's that's one of my sort of recommended starting points is those ELAC, debut, and Unify. And if you don't even have debut money, I would recommend looking at another Andrew Jones design that he did for Pioneer. I think it's called the SP. Is it the SPBS 22LR, which is an awful name. <laughs> awful name. Sorry, Dude, Andrew. I can't remember what I had for lunch a week ago. There's no way I'm going to remember that. Right. But, but, it's a, um, it's but I know what you're talking about. It's a $130 speaker at full retail. You can probably get it cheaper on Amazon. A pair? Yeah, great little speaker. Wow. Like it was, I mean, it was popular. Well, I think they, they were launched about five or six years ago, and they're popular for a while. Right, they're right. really cool. I mean, this is this is entry, this is pure entry level stuff, right? Standmount speakers on a budget. So Pioneer and then Elac is two, two things that I tend to recommend to people. If you've got a bit more money, then look at the Kef LS50, and then it's wireless. Can um, um, it's wireless? What do you call it? Brother, sister? I don't know. What would you recommend, Jeff? Like, I mean, starting well, out. I'll tell you. For me, I'm yeah. really all the all the hoo ha about Elac aside, and and mm. I'm not arguing because I think they are excellent speakers. You know, I really liked these little paradigm uh, Adam mm. SEs. I mean, right. they're two ninety nine a pair. Really, and um, really outs. Well, I had I had two really. I found two really interesting things. The Adams were mm. two ninety nine a pair. Yeah, and I had actually found because I had a I had an original pair of Adams years and years and years and many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I bought a pair for my darkroom. That's how many years ago it was, yeah. and you know, and they were they were back then. I think they were maybe one hundred seventy nine dollars a pair, yeah. and you know, I had joked with the sales guy that the port looked like a toilet paper tube, um, you know. But they really, but they really sounded good, mm. and um, Paradigm just kept refining the design, and you know, they they had also sent me their um, Martin Logan Motion the Four Eyes, which are Ooh. about. I think those are about four ninety nine a pair, something like that. Maybe. Oh, I know those. Yeah, you know yeah, they've got yeah. that cool little motion tweeter that's in their yeah. whole range of speakers. Yeah, and you know, and and listening to those speakers side by side, the the little paradigms are more of a they they're they're more of a uh, all rounder. They give you a little more bass, a um, mm. little bit bigger sound, um, easier to set up. The Martin Logans don't give you quite as much bass. They really need to be used with a sub unless they're sitting on your desk, but they've got a level of refinement that's unbelievable for a $500 pair of speakers. I mean, you, hmm. you, you hook up a, you know, $500, um, you know, Martin Logan or Paradigm sub with it or whatever your favorite little rel, whatever, you know, 
it, it's a pretty impressive thousand dollar system. But those mm. the, the atoms were cool because I I managed to find a pair of original ones mm. on eBay. I think I paid forty dollars for them. Wow! And okay. they still work great. And it, but it was you know it was fun to you know it was kind of fun to compare and contrast. You know how audio reviewers tend to have this long memory for what stuff sounded like. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't profess to have that. So it right. was, it was, it was really cool to have an old pair side by side and go, Oh, okay. This is where they started. This is where they are now. And you know, that, that for me, that's, that's kind of the go-to speaker. And, you know, speaking about pioneer, I think last issue, we had that little pioneer a 20 integrated amp. That's I think two ninety nine. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, either one of the speakers you're talking about, the little Elex, the little, you know, the little Paradigms, that Pioneer, some kind of streaming deck, or, mm. you know, you could avoid that all together and go with my little favorite, that um, PS Audio Sprout. Right, you know, right, yeah, that, yeah. That, that and your favorite pair of $300 speakers, and, you know, you're pretty rocking at that point for no money. So what about... If you wanted to step up from there, like if you wanted to, if you weren't just sort of looking for to produce, you know, to put together the, the most af affordable system possible, you wanted to spend like, I don't know, like let's say five grand, well, up to five grand on just the speakers themselves. Like what would you look at when it comes to small, smallish stand mounts? Um, well, let's see. You know, the little Rados are really good. The X1s, I think those mm. are six. Um, mm. That's going over the budget a little bit. Um what did we, what, you know, again, all of the small LS35A variants, um, I mean, they're the small, one. yeah, they're great. You know, the, the Harbeth is that, what is that? The P5 or P3 or whatever? Yeah, P3. Yeah. Yeah. The P3, that's really nice. Um, gosh, what because, else? Because, because the Proac guys, so in the oh, UK, yeah, Proac, you know, tablets, Proac yeah. tablets are awesome. That's a, I've had a number of those over the years. Those are great little speakers. Um, you know, I mean, if you were going to spend five, there's, there's quite a few, you know, mm. Sonus Faber has got that new entry line of their products. Those were the ones I saw those a while back this year when they introduced them, they were, you know, really nice. And, you know, they were about half of what I thought the price was going to be. Mm-hmm. The little Sonetta one and two, and okay. their little stand mounts. I heard those; they were they were unbelievably good. And I I think the small ones were, I think they were around fifteen hundred dollars a pair. Mm -hmm. And the I think the twos were, I think the twos were maybe twice that. Mm. And and they've put they've put a lot of the technology. I mean, this is kind of a common thread. You know, you've got a company like say Kef, uh, Paradigm, Sonus Faber. Um, you know, they because they make such they make such a wide range of speakers, and they've got a pretty extensive. You know, they've got pretty extensive manufacturing capabilities. Focal to you know they're they're easy to it's easier for them to make a really good inexpensive speaker because mm -hmm. they've got an economy of scale that somebody right. small doesn't necessarily yeah. have right so but uh, yeah the the Sonos Faber Sonetos those those made a really good showing so that's another you know two to three thousand mm. um, I mean there's even a couple I mean I hate to say it that's where if you're going to spend five k that's where you have the dilemma of 
do I buy a $3,000 pair of speakers and a, and a really expensive pair of massive stands, or do I get a small floor standard? Because there are some really decent small floor standards in that range. Yeah, right. Yes. Well, we can come to that in a bit, but like, I mean, I want yeah. to sort of stick around on this. Stay with small. Stay with small stand mounts, really. I mean, okay. I mean, I really dig the the this year. I've played with the Proact Tablet Tens and the Signature version. The Those signature are version, great speakers. The signature version is a bit better, but I think I like the in terms of value. The 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 standard ten has it. Like it's ju they're just excellent. And oh I, yeah. I found they had a little bit more bounce than a than again. This is going on audio memories highly unreliable, but they had a, for me they had a bit more bounce than the P three Harbeths. Oh and yeah, I, definitely. And right. the LS35A variations. It's mm. just a little bit more um for me that that tablet's always been just a little more engaging. You know, I agree, yeah. A yes. little bit little yeah. bit more dynamic, um yes. a little less polite, you Agreed, know, than, yes. so that's yeah, I would I would say I think you're on the money with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly for somebody who listens to like rock music and electronic stuff like as you and I do, that's probably a better fit than say the the more I guess the, I, I don't want to call them uptight, but I will. Like the more the more uptight P three from Harbeth. They were just a, right. They're, they're they're aimed to be. They're aimed at people that want really want a fantastic mid range. Listen to I think simpler music, right? That's not so taxing, right. not so dynamic. Sure, I sure. I mean, Alan, Alan Shaw. I mean, you've met Alan Shaw, right? I have. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. he's kind of a BBC guy through and through. Mm. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, so I get that. And, and which which leads to another thing with the small speaker where you might choose a, let's say, a higher quality small speaker than a similarly priced um, floor standard to get more bass, blah, blah, blah. I think might really be dictated by the kind of music you listen to. Absolutely, because, yeah. you know, the friend of mine that introduced me to the LS35A years ago, mm. he was much more of a chamber music guy. Right. You know? So he was always listening to small little quintets and quartets and little violin things and stuff. Mm. And on that kind of music, you know, those those were amazing. Mm. But, um, you know, if you're listening to, you know, Dead Mouse, that's that's not going to work. You know, um, well, hey, one other before hmm. I forget, I'm sorry for interrupting. One, right. one, one other small speaker I'd like to mention that didn't make it to the issue. Hmm. That's kind of a variation on that theme. Good friend of mine, Clark Bloomstein, Bloomstein up in right close to Seattle. Have you seen any of his speakers? Does he have a really nice um, Vimeo video out there on the Internet? About yes. Clark, not only is Clark one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet, mm. you know, he's taken that little, the Feastrex um, single speaker design and really mm. refined it. He actually worked over in their factory in Japan building drivers years ago. And he used to, uh. he used to, after that, he worked for the guys, uh, I believe they were in Spokane, Washington, Kane and Kane. I don't know if you remember their single driver speakers that's kind of a while yes, back i do remember them vaguely yes yeah. he was terry kane's apprentice oh, so great. um and you know so that's another approach to very high quality very organic um the uh, super efficient that's a really cool pair of small speakers to investigate you know mm -hmm. as kind of a different approach from the woofer tweeter thing mm -hmm. so, so it's, it's a single driver right yes single driver so no crossover none Right. So, you know, a nice little tube amp pair of those. Um, and he actually makes some subs too. So, um, yeah. I mean, my, just, 
Mm. So my, sorry. my experience with single driver speakers like that is they produce some of the best imaging. Like yes. they're point source, right? So they're just no crossover. Absolutely. Incredible. You're not losing anything. Right. They're, yeah. they're extremely, extremely potent in that respect. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, right now I'm looking at a pair of the Eclipse. I think it's the, I always get the model wrong. The Eclipse 510Z Mark II. They're from that, the, again, a Japanese company, they're the Fujitsu mothership, which is now Denso 10. You know the ones I mean? They're shaped like an egg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And they're single yeah. driver and they're just incredible, Jeff. They're so good. And it's oh, like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm getting it's, excited. No, I'm no, it's, it's fine. It's yes. just that I've, this week, for the first time, I've been powering them with my shit pre power combo, the Saga Pre and the Vidar Power Amp, which is like no money, like just over a grand. And I'm using this $99 shit DAC and it sounds absolutely incredible i cannot believe how good this little system said it's it i mean it's almost a joke that the dac is a hundred bucks and the speakers are well way more than that they're like five grand or something i don't know roughly they're roughly in that sort of ballpark but they're wonderful and they look cool they look really cool that's what i yes. love about them hey another really cool speaker when you were at munich mm. did you see this is another one i'd like to get out there mm. did you see those cast iron speakers from jern i did not no Oh, I've got a pair of their little, they're in the, they're in the issue, the JS, I think I've got the JS 14. They've got, they've got four or five models. Mm -hmm. I've got the, they all look the same. They're these little organic eggy looking, um, the, the, the enclosure is made of solid cast iron and these little speakers that are maybe about 10 inches tall, weigh about 40, 50 pounds each. I mean, they're, they're incredible. And the, they use very high quality drivers, high quality crossover. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, if now cut this out, if we can't no, no, say no. this, no, you no. Don't, don't say it. Cause I don't want to cut it. So just, just keep, let's keep, okay. keep, keep going. All right. Never. Let's just say, let's just say, I thought they were, they offered much more performance and revealed much more music than a $13,000 desk mount speaker from a very, very popular speaker manufacturer that we all know and love. Um, I don't know who that is, but I don't know why you can't say it. I mean, you, well, Wilson, those little Wilson tiny tots. Oh, okay. That's, you can say that if you think they're okay. better, you well, think they're better. It's right. fine. They're way better. Right. Not, the, the, way better. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the level of musicality with these things. Uh, and they musicality. Make, they make, there you go. There's that level. <laughs> they, they, they make, they make two, Two basic models, one optimized to be used with a sub, so they mm. roll off at about 60. I've got those. Mm. And then they make one that's a little more full range. But the level of, you know, God, they've got that mid-range, they've got the imaging, they've got mm -hmm. the punch. And I think I think they look super cool. I mean, they they offer them painted in colors, but I think just the black, raw, cast iron, really, I think it's super cool. So look up... Look up the Jern guys, J E R N. Oh, there's a they got a pair in bright red though, Jeff. It's hard to pass up bright red. No, I no, and you know me. I mean the the sports car guy. I but but the raw material. Ah, uh, I mean they're they're I I really and the the fellow that actually makes the enclosures over in Denmark, the company, mm. they do a lot of. Um, they do a lot of high tech casting for the car industry for mm. a few other things. I mean they've they've. 
you know, it wasn't like this guy just woke up one day and said, hey, let's make speakers out of cast iron. He was already making a lot of stuff out of cast iron and mm -hmm. had the had the chops to make the cabinet. And, you know, they always talk about that, that audiophile wrap the knuckles on the cabinet. Don't mm -hmm. don't wrap your knuckles on the cabinet on these. You'll break your hand. I mean, they're really so the, inert. So this is a, the like a, a very inert cabinet design, right? This is like, very much so. This is the opposite of Alan Shaw's approach. All right. So what? What? So tell me just one more time. Which Jern speakers do you have? The, which I have the fourteen DS, the one that's it's the one at the top. When you go to their homepage and click on the products, mm -hmm. the fourteen. So the DS is the one that are they're optimized to work with. They say to work with high quality subwoofer. Mm -hmm. uh, so they roll off around ninety. The Jern twelve has um, has a more full range mm -hmm. thing. And so because of that, it's it's like I'm just reading from their site, but it is true because I've listened to both. It says because of less bass demanded from the woofer, mm. the 14 can play louder. You know, the 12, mm. obviously that little cone can only move so much air. Mm. So if it's doing all the bass, it's not going to play quite as loud. But um, I love the, these I love, are. Yeah, I love the look of them. They're great. They're really cool. So these are this is this is another speaker I think uh, is worthy of. They were at Rocky Mountain. They were in Munich. Um, had some great sound both places. They were they were pairing them up with some small rail subwoofers, which you know worked for me because I've got a pair of T five eyes here. So it was a you know it was a perfect match in my room, mm -hmm. and they they were really outstanding. One of the one of the one of the kind of cool finds that I found this year. One of the, I don't know whether, I mean, while we're talking about like esoteric choices, kind of wackier designs or less well-known companies, I don't know whether you've ever had any time, spent any time with um, a speaker called the the Lens from 47 Labs in Japan. No. Tiny one, again, single driver, lossy cabinet. But I got to say, it's one of those speakers that you think it's going to be actually easy, easy to drive and is not going to be power hungry, but it kind of is. But it has this purity which I've never forgotten. I had two pairs when I lived in Australia. I had friends with pairs and we all raved about them. They didn't go super low. They weren't the last word in rock and roll, you know, in the excitement, but they did electronic music incredibly well. This is one of the things I love about stand mounts is that electronic music can come off really, really well, even without the bottom octave. Oh sure, no. I'm looking. I'm looking at your website right now. Yeah, I remember seeing these. I didn't listen to them. Mm. Yeah, they, interesting. They, they didn't really have a strong representation outside of Japan. They had a dealer in the USA for a while. So it's a speaker no. that I reviewed a long, long time ago, and I'm sure I would cringe if I read the review right now. I would be like, "Oh my god, I wrote that." But I do remember the sound. I do remember buying a pair three years later again because a pair came up secondhand. I thought I have to have those. They are awesome little speakers, but they're not. Yeah, they're not sort of readily so readily available. Got it. Yeah. When when you were in Munich, did you see um, the the fellow Gregor? He had these. Was representing this company. They're called Horns. Oh, small I, H, I the do atmospheres. Know, I do know what you're talking about. They are like a little small speaker with a horn, horn nodded tweeter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I've, I've just, we're just winding up the review on those, mm. and you know, those are pretty intriguing. Um, mm. they're, I think they're about forty five hundred a pair, give or take, right around there. Mm -hmm. Um, they've got, um, they've got an interesting, um, 
They've got a rear firing driver that you can, um, it's got a level control on it. So you can kind of custom tune its output to add or subtract bass. Mm. Uh, this is kind of a cool, I think this is a pair of speakers you would really enjoy because mm. this is something that, you know, if you love rock or you love electronic, oh, wow, these things, um, you know, really, really, uh, they they make a lot of sound for a small speaker. So can you tell us the name of the company again and the, and the model of the speaker? Um, I believe the the speaker is called the Atmosphere, mm -hmm. and um, so I'm seeing the one called Mummy, one called Universum, one called Aria Mini, and and here's the here's the interesting quirk with this speaker. Mm. Um, because of that, this isn't really a near field speaker. Okay. You know, this is a speaker that you want to leave a little, you want to be able to get back a little bit from, mm -hmm. you know, because it like, like almost like any horn, you know, you need to get back a little ways for everything to integrate. Mm -hmm. So um, otherwise they'll have that kind of signature horn thing going on if you get a little too close. So is that why? Um, is that why they can get a bit honky if you don't sit further away? So right, up, because right. the the, the yeah. woofer and the tweeter and the mid aren't really the sound field that's coming out isn't blending together. Oh, I mean, it's, okay, it's, right. Like if you've if you've ever listened to avant garde's in a big room, mm. that's a pretty amazing. You would love to play the music you love on a big avant garde system. Already done it. A mate in Australia has a, has a big avant garde horn system. There you go. And yeah, that's really I mean that's yeah. a yeah. that's a pretty visceral, pretty dynamic, pretty stunning. You know that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I guess the other thing I would, while we're talking about small speakers, we should really talk about the desktop as well, because sure. there's a few suggestions I've got there, and some of them are more. So one of them is obvious. I mean, the, the obvious choice, not the obvious choice, the obvious one to talk about right now is Kef's new LSX. I'm not going to ramble on about it. There's a video on my website if you want to know about them. They're little sort of okay, little tiny active speaker, very good. And one thing I like about them, and this actually leads to my second choice. So if you let me ramble here for a moment, um, is that speak? It's very easy to put too much speaker on your desk. You can think, yes. well, it fits, so therefore it's good. But very often, it's like people are over speaking their room. Their eyes are bigger than their bellies, and they don't image properly in front of your face. So you kind of you can hear the left and hear the right, but this, the sound stage is coalescing behind your head. Now, that, right. now that's not only just the size of speaker. I realize that's the kind of the driver layout. So with the kefs, they're coaxial and coincidental layout. So that almost they well they are point source. But the other the other speaker that I reviewed a few years ago is even smaller. It's called the Phoenix Essence, and Phoenix is spelled F E N I K S. No, because they used to be called like the Eversound Essence, but now they're called the Phoenix, and they're a lot cheaper than they were, I think. But they had the most beautiful pretty sound and they were wonderful the desktop they had a lovely volume control on one speaker and they really laid they kind of really drew out the sound stage in front of you like almost like a pop-up book in front of you on the desk and they were the per nice. they were the perfect size for me even for a big desk i think there's always a temptation to put bigger speakers i think the ls50 wireless for example are too big even for a really big desk it just the sound stage doesn't coalesce in front of you as it probably should and that, for me, that bugs me. I like to kind of, I like, I'm a big fan of imaging and that kind of thing. And sure, to, you know, that, you know, soundstage drawing, depth, width, height. And so, you know, the smaller speakers, like the, I've got a little pair of Genelec G2s. They're not as good as the LSX in many respects, but I like them because they're little actives. 
And they're great on the desk as well because they're the right size. So I guess my, my message here actually is if you're trying to buy a pair of speakers for your desk at work or at home, don't go too big. Start small right. and see where that I gets agree. you. I agree. And actually Good advice. put more money into the amp if you have to choose one and the DAC and anything like that. Really like keep it a small meal because I think in the long run, it'll be more satisfying. You know, the, the French have an expression, but I can't remember it, but mm. translated it means, you know, kind of like just put a little in the glass. So you always want more. Um, ah, I, know, I, know, nice. I know my, I know my French speaking friends would be horrified <laughs> at me saying this, but right. oh, he missed the nuance, you know, mm. but well, what can I say? Yeah, but, but I always thought that was a good approach, you know. That's a great and, approach, and... yeah. Which is, I think, which is why I'm a big fan of stand mounts. I mean, I used to know this guy in Sydney. I won't say his name, but um, he always, you know, he had an apartment the size of actually probably the size of mine is now. Like it's, you know, six meters by five meter room, and he always used to have the biggest speakers. He had, you know, he had a fair amount of disposable income. He was into hi-fi in a big way. He would be always changing yes. his gear. He'd be by Big Martin Birds. Um, and oh, I'm trying to think of other, uh, what else did he have? Like, anyway, he just had a, a series of really big speakers. And so I got to hear all of these, but they were, for me, they were always too big for his room. And then one day he had a pair of LS35A on probably the best stands you could buy for them. I think they were the Target stands. I think they were. They were oh, yeah. Right? That's, that's what I use. I've got some filled Target stands. They're not right. much to look at, but really effective. Oh, we'll come to stands in a moment. Anyway, so... Yeah. Um, he had these LS35As powered by a Nate 2, I think it was, an old nice. Nate, right? Yep, it was yep. the best sound I ever heard in that guy's room. It was incredible. And there was plenty of bass weight because he got the right stands and filled them properly. But they were right. appropriate for the room. And I think there is a tendency, especially, I guess, especially, I, I don't want to generalize too much, but especially in certain, I'll say in certain parts of the world, I'm not going to name them for fear of being. No, yeah. it's us. It's definitely no, actually, us. No, here. I wasn't thinking. Well, wasn't it's, thinking. well, there's another place I'm thinking of. Right. Too, but, so you know, just, just stuffing big speakers into small rooms. Now, that's not to say that small speakers are the necessarily the ideal choice for a small room. And I'll tell you why. This is very interesting, actually. Is Bruno Putzis told me this in Munich this year. He said, you got to be really careful in always saying that small speakers are best in a small room because the narrower the front baffle, the higher the frequency at which that speaker omnidirectionally radiates and therefore you get room reflections, right? Right. So, yeah, you can have a narrow front baffle and then a small speaker, but you're still you're going to be dealing with possibly, potentially, more reflections coming at you than you would if you had a wider front baffle. So... And then I remember seeing a, um, a Paul McGowan video about this. He said, one of the good things you can do with stand mounts, and I know that we, we, we tend to steer away from putting them on bookshelves, even though people often call them bookshelves. But he said, like, if you can put a bunch of books either side of your stand mount or bookshelf speakers, you then effectively you widen the front baffle. So right. You get a better sound. I thought that was a terrific tip from Paul McGowan. That was and a terrific low tech tip. Yeah, which yeah, which I love that. You know, that's something anybody can try at home. You know, even if you can just put them on a sideboard and then either side of them, you just stack some books. This is Paul McGowan from PS Audio. He's got a great YouTube channel where he talks about all, oh, all yeah. manner of things, right? But this is one of the things that really stuck with me. I thought that's really cool. Like, because even though, you know, I think only Alan Shaw at Harbeth um, says that it's okay to put his speakers on bookshelves and not worry about it. But because most manufacturers would say, and this is where we get to it, most manufacturers would say, look, you need a pair of stands, and a pair of good stands at that. And I think this is where, for me, stand mounts tend to lose a little bit of their shine 
because you you have to go and buy a pair of stands, and good stands aren't cheap, and cheap no. and cheap stands aren't very good. Exactly. Right. But I mean, I'm a bit of a cheapskate when it comes to stands. I don't know about you, but I've been using a pair of Atacama Nexus Six for the last ten years. I, I had them in Australia. It was the first thing I bought when I, I um, moved here. I've got two pairs: one filled, one not. And then I've just got a pair of Dutch and Dutch speakers come in for review, and, and they've sent me another pair of stands for those. And they're also Atacama. I'm not sure if they're the Nexus range, but this is a UK speaker stand company. Um, okay. And I think they hit for me. They hit the sweet spot of like they're not they're not the best stands in the universe. They're not the worst, but they're you know they're affordable by my, most people, and they're price appropriate for speakers like the LS50, the wireless, the ProAct tablets, the P3 ESR, you know? Well, you know, that's that's another one of those things where um, uh, that's where you can get lost mm. in the in the small speaker thing because, okay, the average person doesn't want to spend $1,000 on a pair of speakers mm. and then another $1,000 on a pair of stands. They... Right. I mean, it's, it, it does short circuit most people's brains. Uh, uh, this, this is the annoying thing about stand mounts, isn't it? You do have to you do have to budget for the stands. I mean, I like companies that sort of insist on packaging their stands with their speakers, like these Eclipse Denso 10 speakers here. Like, you know, like Dyn Audio like... does that yeah. too. I mean, the, there's, there's a handful of, you know, that's another small speaker, even though they weren't in this issue. Mm. Those, uh, those wireless, the uh, Zios. Oh yeah. Those the... are off. Those are awfully nice. You know, that's another. Yeah. There's a Zio range that, that Dyn Audio make a fantastic. They changed yeah. the naming though. I mean, the Zio 2 is now the Zio 20, isn't it? Or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, but there's, I, I remember when they were the ZO2s, I reviewed a pair of those. Fantastic little speaker. Really cool, actually. A bit a bit more polite and probably not as punchy as the LS50 wireless, but better suited to small rooms by a long way. Like re, like when I'm Got it. like really small rooms. And, and they had their, their little custom desktop stands. You, so you could put them on your desktop as well. Again, a good size speaker for a desktop. So they were called the ZO2. I think they're called the ZO20 now, but I can't be sure. But yeah, what stands do you use, Jeff? You, I mean, please. you know, I'm old school. I use the the Sound Acres. You know, I've had them for gosh, I don't know how long. Mm. Yeah, they're they're like Target stands, mm. similar, but just kind of big, big and beefy, filled. They probably weigh about 60, 70 pounds each. What's the name of the company and what's the the model again? Sound Anchors. Oh, Sound Anchors. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the I guess the other thing I want to say about stand mount loudspeakers is, is generally in. Not always, but generally, they're more efficient. Sorry, more inefficient than floor stands. Yes. Right. So yes. This is where you need sort of muscle amps to really, really get the best out of them. Right. When I say muscle amps, amps with great control, great grip on that, that low, so the mid bass driver, the low bass. Would you agree? Well, with that? it's it, yeah, yeah, and it's kind of the dilemma, mm. you know, because again, this is that small speaker that you need to spend i mean i've always joked about the ls35 a about the even the ls50 mm. you know it's it's this great 1500 speaker that needs a ten thousand dollar amp to really make magic i mean the ls50 sound pretty good no matter mm. i mean they sound pretty good hooked up to a sprout but you know again when i had the ls50s here and we hooked them up to the big pass you know the xs300 monoblocks it was a completely different speaker. Mm. I mean, it was a completely, we had had, when we had our buddy Johan, mm. when he was here years ago with the blades, mm. you know, we had had the LS fifties and we hooked, we hooked that, we brought the LS fifties, put them in on stands in between the blades mm. 
through the same, let's say, give or take half a million dollars worth of electronics. Mm. And we all had a good laugh because it was like, wow, not only not only could you hear the lineage between the Blade and the LS50, but it was like, wow, this is an even better speaker than we think it is. It's just the average owner's not going to hook, you know, LS50s up to a $100,000 pair of monoblocks. Well, so, I mean, this is my, because I've spent a lot of time with stand mount loudspeakers, and I do find there's a, there's a very broad range of performance quality depending upon the amp that i hook into them and they're they're fixed uh, most stand mounts are extremely fussy and i think there is a very strong case for spending when you've got stand mounts you've got, you've got the stand mount you like it suits your room so get the stand mount that sits fits your room best and then pour yes. as, pour as much money as you can into the amp because, yes because, i would agree right because it makes a big difference i think spending a grand on a pair of stand mounts and then spend a grand on the amp to start with but you'll get untold rewards by upgrading the amp before the speakers. Because if the speakers fit your yes. room and you like them, don't change them. Stick with them. Just make them better with a better amplifier because you get like a really fantastic result if you spend more on the amp, right? I mean, this is your experience. I agree. Right. You know what, dude? I always tell people, find a pair of speakers. You f Fall in love with the pair of speakers and build everything else around that. Right, you right. Know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's really interesting because, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to start with stand mounts, and and I've done this myself when I was in Sydney. Would be this is before this is like 15 years ago. I started with stand mounts, then I got a bigger stand mount, then I got a mid size stand mount, and then I went floor stander, and I was never happy. I love the mid size stand mount, stand mount, but when I went to the floor stander, something I didn't realize at the time what was going on. I mean, obviously I had a hellishly. Um, a, a, an awful amount of standing waves and a, all sorts of acoustic problems. I was in a really small apartment. And I, again, my eyes were bigger than my belly in that case. And I just kept stepping up and up and up. And I went too far. And I just missed the, that mid-side stand mount that I had previously that I loved. And I should, well, should have gone there. You, were, you, know? you got you got caught up in reading all those crazy hi-fi magazines. Actually, no, and, I didn't. Um, I didn't read them then, back uh, then at all. Ah, <laughs> so you so you 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 got crazy all on your own. So I, got, <laughs> I did get crazy all on my own. I just thought that bigger speakers were better speakers. That's what that's because you're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so. but I just I just kind of got yeah caught up in the idea that you know more food is more is better right and well, it's not. You know, I, I, well here's the thing it's not always right. but sometimes yes. you know there's there's surprise i mean completely opposite of small speakers mm. i'm listening to those i've got those gamut zodiacs in here okay and you remember i used to have the big um the s9 i do yes ago. yes and um I've got the Zodiacs because when they arrived, I had so much other stuff here. I didn't have room for them out in the big room. Mm. So I put them in my living room. And my living room is about four meters by about six and a half meters. But then it opens up into the rest of the house. And, you know, Ben said, oh, they'll work in there. They'll work in there. Mm. And, I mean, the guys at Positive Feedback reviewed them. And he's got a tiny room. I mean, his room is about three meters by four meters. Okay. And he had Zodiacs right. in there. So, you know, very skeptical, you know, they work incredibly well in that room. And I wouldn't have expected that in a million years. So oh. you get, you get surprised everywhere. Yeah. So, but generally I think this is like, well, I mean, people choose stand mounts because they're not too much of an eyeful to look at. 
They're generally more agreeable for family situations or where you share the apartment or house with other people. And, sure. And, you know, you, I guess you, you they're, they're generally in the main, and I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of what Bruno Puzzi said that I explained earlier. In the main, they do tend to fit better with smaller rooms. In you know, I'm sure. You know, and I think it's a it's a good solution for people living in apartments. But I think, I think my advice is don't let your eye like don't do don't do what I did way back when in Australia and just run away with yourself and think that bigger is going to be better because it isn't always. And ultimately, your room will be the final arbiter of how good your choice is, right? I mean, you re- it's better to have too little speaker than too much. Right. And I, you know, and again, I really, you know, I know this is kind of preachy, but, mm. uh, you know, set up the stuff you have the best you can before you think you need more stuff. And also, um, and also treat the room before you want to get a bigger speaker. I think. A little bit. And yeah. that's, there's definitely a case of where less is more. Yeah. You know, have you have you seen this is again, this is another really old school, but very good solution. Have you ever played with uh, Michael Green's room tunes? I have not. What's that? Um, He's the guy that started it all. Mm. I mean, he's the guy that started this whole tuning thing probably back around. I think it was around 1990. Yeah. Michael Green audio dot net. OK. And his basic tune pack goes up in the corners of the rooms. They look like kind of beanbags almost. Yeah. Um, corners of the room. Yeah. Couple downs a couple of first reflections. Done. It's 450 bucks, I think. Mm-hmm. Start there. That is one of the nicest upgrades, especially in a smaller space. Real unobtrusive. It's not, you know, hanging all this big stuff on your walls. Mm-hmm. And uh, give that a, you know, when we're off the, when we're done the next couple of days, I'll send you a link to them. You should try these. I think you'd really enjoy right. them. That's great. That's a great tip, so. Jeff. You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay.